Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Well, hi, everyone. Today, we're talking with acclaimed author Homa Puraskari, author of Lemon Curd. It's a modern romance set in the marketing worlds of Los Angeles and London, where two contrasting professionals cross paths over a lemon curd and a shared client. We'll wait to hear more from Homa about the rest of the story, but for now, here's the inside scoop on the author. Homa Puraskari is an activist, entrepreneur, and author. Her writings dive deep into the themes of love, integrity, compassion, and justice. Fluent in multiple languages, Homa has journeyed across the world, immersing herself in diverse cultures and embracing a variety of viewpoints. While she sometimes finds herself lost in the depths of her writing room, perfecting every scene, Homa equally cherishes moments spent with family and friends, laughing and sharing stories. You can learn more about Homa Puraskari and Lemon Curd at LemonCurdBook.com. Well, hi, Homa. It's great to have you back on Inside Scoop Live. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. I always enjoy chatting just about the book and about life in general. Yeah. Now, you were on not too long ago. I looked and it was because I thought, didn't we just talk? And yeah, it was December. So it has been a little while. But I know we had a wonderful conversation around your book, The American Outsider. And today, I'm excited to dive into your latest novel, Lemon Curd. Tell us a little bit about the book and what inspired you to write the story? So Lemon Curd is about two characters who are very competitive and they start with not liking each other and eventually after some time passes they start to get to know each other and fall in love. Lemon Curd, some of it is based on personal experiences but I can't really, you know, I don't want to talk about that too much because I'm a little bit of a private person but I just met a lot of really bad people in my life. Mm. And I wanted people to know. I mean, and it's not just me. Uh, I'm talking to some of the people that I know, and they have so many relationship issues. And what's funny is that the people that they're in a relationship with are similar to Paul and Kimberly and Sarah and things like that. So I think that this book will help a lot of people in general, to deal with love and failure Mm. and picking right back up again and pushing forward and giving themselves time and eventually meeting, you know, somebody who treats them better. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I could be completely wrong. I just think office relationships are a bad idea. (laughs) Um, I just think if you're working with people and you see them on a daily basis. It's one thing you're working on a project and you're never going to see that person. But if you're seeing people on a daily basis, and if you fall in love, and if everything works out, good for you. But if things don't work out, you can lose your career. And unless you don't care about your career, you know, and then I would say go for it. But I just don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. In general. Well, I agree. The only thing worse than office politics is an office romance. Yeah. Why did you choose the marketing world as the backdrop for your story? One of my minors was in marketing um, when I went to college. And then 
I did work in a small marketing firm for a short time. So and when I ran my own business, I was friends with the marketing director of a huge shopping mall. And so I, I, had, I was always in that type of environment, kind of testing it out and learning about it. So it was my first book, and I wanted to write about something that I know. But you know what? It took a ton of research. I didn't know all that information. Those were all actually researched. So. Mm. Wow. So there was a lot of preparation that went into it. Now, I noticed that uh, this is a revised edition. So when did the first edition come out and what did you revise in this edition? So the first edition came out in 2006. Oh. And, and so what happened was I did get a lot of good reviews. There were people who loved it and then there were people who didn't. So, and I read all the reviews, and I think when a review is constructive, I learn from it. One of the things people said was that the dialogue didn't seem authentic, and also that there was too much detail that would that slowed down the pace of the story. So, I'm so flush that I'm a perfectionist. It's just that I like to have a really good product, right. you know, a product that I'm proud of out there. So, I thought, you know what, at some point, I'm going to revise this. And so it just seemed to be the right time to do it because my latest work is The American Outsider. I figured if people enjoy reading that and they want to read another book, I wanted to give them something good that they would enjoy. Yeah, it's very contemporary and current. And so I imagine you had to update some things from 2006 to make it uh, current. I, I did. <laughs> you know, like you can no longer have those old phones and all that. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> my editor would point that out sometimes too because he missed some of the points. So yes, I had to update some of the stuff. Not a lot of it, but I did, yes. Yeah. So it would be more current. Yeah, I think that was a great idea to re-release it. I feel like romantic comedies are, are always in season, so to speak. Uh, they're very popular. They always are. And then it complements the latest book you released. I agree. It's escape. You know, it's one of those things where you can just read at a beach or over the weekend and just really enjoy it. It's light. It's not super heavy. And it gives you that feel-good feeling. And I think that people look for that because the world sometimes can be really chaotic. And romantic comedy is escape. I guess one of the hardest things about it is that how... Sometimes reviewers read something and they're like, oh, it's predictable. Well, it's romance. What do you want me to do? You know, like <laughs> if I choose, I, people are going to hate my guts if I make the ending like horrible and somebody dies or, or the characters just never meet. People are like, I spent 350 pages reading this and I'm disappointed, you know, <laughs> so it's just, it's just how it's going to be, so... Yeah, I mean, I get that. If you're wanting suspense, read a mystery thriller. But That's true. And also, it's the journey and not the end. So when you're reading, uh, just as in life, is try to enjoy the journey. Exactly. Because it's like, okay, you, you reach the goal and you're like, okay, now what? You know, <laughs> the best part was the journey. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So. Now, you, you mentioned your characters a little bit, uh, Annalisa Gibson and Neil Scott Whitaker. What inspired their personalities and their backstories? 
So I wanted to create some conflict between the two characters. And in order to do that, I had to give them different backgrounds and different personalities so that they get on each other's nerves. <laughs> um, but I also had to keep some stuff in common because if you're completely different and you hate each other's guts, then, you know, then you have no luck. So I kept some commonalities in between there uh, for things that they could agree on. And that's why I did it. I wanted to make Neil arrogant and Annalisa stubborn. And so they just would butt heads at times. But eventually they ended up being friends and liking each other. Yeah. I mean, opposites attract, right? I think opposites do attract. But if it's way too opposite, it makes life a little bit hard. Yeah. And the same thing, if two people are too much alike, then that would make life hard too. So you have to have some common interests so opposites do attract. But as long as it's not something where you have nothing in common with the other person, then it would work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting that Annalisa and Neil were already in relationships when they met. Why did you choose this type of setup and what kind of challenges did that present to you while you were developing the story? Because sometimes people just get married just because to be married or just they stay in the same stale relationship because they're scared and but they're not happy and they don't try to make it work. They don't at least go see a counselor or try to make it work. They just kind of go through life is basically what it is. And I thought, I'm going to put Neil with someone that he loves, but then eventually realizes that she's not the right person. And then I'm going to put Annalisa with a guy who is basically a womanizer, but she's so in love with him that she's too blind to see it. Mm. And eventually things happen in the story and she realizes that. There was an actor who played with Whoopi Goldberg in Jumpin' Jack Flash, and I can't remember his name, but Mm. he actually, he was married, and he fell in love with a woman who was also married. And the two of them got divorced and married each other because they just all of a sudden realized that they're each other's soulmates. Mm. And, And then they both, I guess they both talked about how um, it wasn't a bitter divorce. I don't agree with that, but that's what they did. So I think you should figure it out before you get married. But maybe I'm an idealist. I just think once you commit, you know, you know, you need to figure it out before you do all of that. So yeah, well, it's a lot less complicated that way. That's for sure. <laughs> it is. And I, I have people in my life who've been divorced, and it just didn't work out. And I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. So but it's hard. I think it's hard. Imagine you're married to somebody and they come to you and say, hey, honey, you know what? I'm in love with somebody else. I mean, like, wow, that's really tough. Yeah, that's devastating. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's really hard. Now, you talked a little bit about feedback from the first edition, and part of it was about the dialogue. So how did you approach uh, Anna and Neil's relationship to kind of ensure their banter felt genuine and, you know, their back and forth just worked? I wasn't always really that great in dialogue. Uh, Actually, at some point when I was taking these classes at UCLA as well, it took a long time to be able to do dialogue well. 
in order to write well, you need to pay attention to everything, how people walk, how people eat, what do they wear, or what kind of conversations they have, what kind of breaks in their dialogues they have. So you're constantly studying people all the time, not because you want to intrude on people's conversations, because that's not the goal of the writer. Mm -hmm. It's just that when you write something, you want it to be as authentic as possible. And so that's basically what I did is I would just listen to people when they talk and stuff. And then also I have a few sarcastic people in my life and we are sarcastic <laughs> to each other. So that part um, I, I picked up from some of the people in my life. So um, that came that's easy. How they <laughs> yeah, yeah, that part came easy because um, we're always teasing each other and making fun of each other and we're sarcastic. Yeah, so. That's kind of like my family as well. If we ever say something yeah. serious, it would be a surprise. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So you take from life, you know, when you write. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. What were some of the challenges that you faced when writing Lemon Curd? And, and how did you overcome them? It's tough to figure out what people are doing. How are they sitting? Are they behind the desk? What are they doing with their hands? What's their facial expression? What's their body language? Are they crossing their legs? Are they frowning? And those are really hard to describe because in real life, you know, you just do. And we, our subconscious somehow picks up someone's aura or how they're feeling or what have you. But in a book, you need to describe that. It's all that nonverbal communication. The angle of the desk or how they're positioned tells a lot about a character. That takes a lot of work because you have to see it in your head is what it is. It's not just enough to write it. You've got to see it, and then you have to capture what you see and bring it down to paper, and that's not an easy task. No, I can imagine. And how does that work with your writing? Like, do you just like write a draft first and then kind of go back and put in those details? Or do you try and do everything at once? What does your writing process look like? So walking helps. I'm sure people that I know have seen me and think, what's the matter with her? She doesn't even say hi. It's not because I'm ignoring people. I'm zoned out like I'm completely somewhere else in my head mm. and so especially if it's somewhere green and pretty I'm visualizing a whole story while I'm walking so it starts with some visualization when I walk and then sometimes I could be reading a piece of news an article and I just start writing and my writing does not come as an outline it comes in different pieces and then I start putting the pieces together um, not all writers like that. There are plenty of writers who write with outlines. I eventually have some kind of an outline. I don't start with an outline because that's not the way my brain works. Mm. A lot of times I also have to see it in my head. And what you hear and see in your head, it's hard to bring it down into paper sometimes because to connect the two is not always an easy task to do. Mm. Yeah. So do your characters ever go off on a course that you hadn't intended? They do. They have a mind of their own sometimes. And you just go with it. And if they decide that they're not going to join a, this group to hang out with them, or if they decide that they don't want to go out that day or what have you, you just go with it. And for my second book, 
one of my cousins asked me to include her name in the book. And I ended up with a completely different character. Mm. I had to change everything. I changed like a good chunk of that book in order to do that. But that's how I am. I'm kind of strange. I just sometimes I just do things without thinking. And it does get me into trouble. (laughs) And but (laughs) <laughs> you know, but it helped the story. The story came out much more interesting than how it had started. So, yeah, that's wild. Just you changed the whole character based on a name, I, basically. Well, and her personality. Well, I didn't base it on her personality. She just wanted me to use her name, but it changed the plot as well. Mm. So, but the book turned out really well. So, I don't know. Maybe it was meant to be that way. Who knows? You know. Right. <laughs> how does Lemon Curd? stand out from other contemporary romance dramas? So Lemon Curd, I have an Iranian background, and I don't want to give too much away, but there are scenes in there where Annalisa is inside this Iranian home, and they invite her and, you know, and all that. So a bunch of stuff happens to her while at that lunch gathering, and that affects a part of the story. So you don't see that a lot in Western books. So the book is either, you know, like there are a lot of Iranian writers. It's either a Persian book or an American book. Mm. But here I just mix the characters. You don't see that that often. So Lemon Curt is very different in that sense. Also, you know, a lot of these romance novels nowadays, and I'm not approved, but they just have too much sex scenes in them. Mm. And... That's not all what love is about. So it's kind of like an old-fashioned type of love Mm -hmm. is what it is. So it's different. It's not a romance novel per se. It's a romantic fiction. But because when you're describing the genre, it's hard to separate the two. So I just say it's romance. But it's more of a romantic fiction than a romance, like a romance novel. Yeah. It's kind of like a light romance, if you will. It is. It I is. like that. And yeah, yeah nothing, nothing wrong with romance novels. Hey, I grew up reading them. So I think that there's a place for everything. You know, mystery, romance, thriller, nothing wrong with it. But you were asking me how to differentiate it. And so that's the best way I know how to differentiate it. There mm-hmm. is some, not so much sex scenes. There's some sexual hints and stuff in there, but not the way it is in a romance book. Yeah. So there's a theme of personal growth and self-realization in Lemon Curd. How important was it for you to convey those messages while telling an entertaining story? I think pretty much in all the books I've written, I try to have the characters grow and change, not because someone else wants them to change. It comes from within. They want to change Mm. because it reflects on life. I believe we're here to learn, to learn about ourselves and also to learn about our society. So I think books should reflect that. And sometimes uh, there are characters in a book who never change. They start a certain way and they end up a certain way. And I want it that way. So I plan it that way. So not all of my characters evolve. Mm -hmm. With Annalisa and Neil, they evolve eventually but it's from within. It's changes that they want to do for themselves. Hmm. Okay. So what kind of a response have you had from readers so far? People have really liked it. I was at the LA Times Festival of Books 
Mm. And I had a lot of, yeah, I had a lot of people interested in my book. I think that the first time when I had the book done, people they didn't care for the dialogue as much and the details, but this time around, I'm getting feedbacks as to um, how the book reads a lot, reads fast. I mean, it reads easy. I've heard no complaints so far about it being slow or not moving along and being stagnant, and I like that. I'm glad that uh, my editor helped me improve the story because ultimately we all need editors, and they're a very important part of books. They don't get enough credit because without them, writers will not be able to pull off a story on their own. You just, it just doesn't work that way. You need them to be there and say, hey, you know what, this conversation is not consistent, and this detail is not necessary. Now, ultimately, at the end, you can say, well, I'm going to keep this detail because I believe in it. But you don't always do that, and you do listen to your editors a lot, which I do. But yeah. once in a while, there's that one item that I don't want to get rid of, and I just keep it. <laughs> well, and ultimately, yeah. it's your book. But one thing, whether you accept those suggestions or not, it opens you to that possibility, and it gives you a new it viewpoint does. on it. So it's, yeah, whether you, you know, take every suggestion or not, at least you're you're open to receiving information from a different angle. And I think that is a big benefit of using editors, as well as the, the standard proofreading grammar and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm very grateful for that. I'm also very grateful to people who actually read a book and post reviews. Very grateful because a lot of people put constructive criticism on there and that helps me improve as a writer and to write a better book and deliver a better product next time around. So I really appreciate reviewers, good or bad, doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, because they take the time. They actually care enough about the book industry to take the time and to write their thoughts and what they feel. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You make a good point so that they care enough about the product one way or another to write a review about it. And it's not always second nature to write a review. So I think it, I think that's great. Like reviews, good or bad, can help the author. So I think so. I, a lot of times with other products, people just write a review when they don't like something. But in the reading world, people write a review if they like it or if they don't. And you can tell that the people who write these reviews, they love to read. And I really appreciate that about them. Yeah, yeah. So I'm grateful. Well, I know when I read a book and it's like, I want to tell, I, I do, I want to tell my friend, oh my God, you got to read this book. You know, I mean, it's just, it's natural. It's the storytelling that connects us all. Much different from reviewing a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. True. Although if I have a good cup of coffee, I would give it thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> now, you talked a little bit about your reviews and taking the constructive criticism or, you know, the compliments to help you improve on your writing for next time. So what do you have coming up next? Can we expect to see more from Anna and Neil or are there other stories you're planning to tell? So I'm working on a project right now. It's coming along really slow, but it's coming along. And I don't want to give away too much about it, but 
it's about what's happening in our society today, just like my other books. And I do have characters who end up liking each other in the book. I don't really know how they're going to end up or what happens in the process. This one is a really tough one that I'm working on because I don't have as much of a background for it. So I have to do a lot of heavy research to do this book. Mm -hmm. And it's a challenge. I like the challenge of doing that. So that's what I'm working on. As far as Annalisa and Neil, I thought maybe at some point I would do one book where all my characters are in there. Mm. I put everybody there. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I don't know at what point I'm going to do that. But that's a plan. Okay. And that should be interesting to have all of my characters in there. (laughs) (laughs) Not all of them, but the main characters. Right, right. Well, that'll be fun, though, reminiscing with old characters and, you know, putting them all together in new new environments. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But that's down the road. Uh, that's what I'll do. But I'm not sure if I'm going to do a Lemon Curd Part 2. I think there's so much going on in our world today. And I love politics and uh, culture. So I want to touch on different issues. My mom's friend said to me, <laughs> she's like, you're such a weird person. <laughs> because she's like, I've never seen a writer like this. You write about so many different things. I just don't get it. Anyway, so who knows? Maybe some readers just won't get me. I don't know. I hope they will. But who knows? Well, you've got a lot to talk about. And you're interested in a lot of things. So that makes sense. I mean, you don't have to stick to one genre. There aren't any rules. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, and then I have reviewers who say I write cross genres, so I my books don't necessarily just fit into one genre. And you know, the thing is that when I was going through UCLA and taking all those classes, I don't like to be molded. There is no one way to write. There is no such thing as this is the only way that you can do it. You need to learn the rules, as they say. And then you need to break them, but you need to know the rules and you break them on purpose and that's your style. And that's mm. what I try to do. I think it's boring if everybody wrote the same way. Oh, yeah, for sure. So based on your experience, you have three books out now. What can you pass down to up and coming authors or aspiring authors? I think that once you start writing, keep writing or you lose your momentum Once you lose it, it's very difficult to get it back. It's a real struggle. So, yeah, when you're done with a book, sometimes even when you're writing a book, start another book while you're doing that, if possible. Mm. So when I was doing my first book, I actually, towards the middle of it, I started my second one. But then after my second one, I just took too much time off. And then another thing would be to trust your editor But also trust your own judgment and figure out, do you want to keep this or do you want to get rid of it? Now, editors have your best interests at heart, and you need to realize that. So uh, I always take into the consideration that, okay, maybe they're right. But once in a while, there's that something that you just don't want to change, and then that's your judgment, and you should keep it. But I don't know about writers for large publishing houses. I don't know how that all works out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they let them keep what they want. No idea. So 
Right. Well, that's why it's best to go indie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I think so. You know, even if you're a writer for a large publishing house today, you still need to do a lot of your own things, a lot of your own things. You Mm -hmm. need to hire an editor. You need to do your own marketing. You still need to do all of that. Right, right. You know, one thing I wanted to ask, and I don't think I did, so where did the name Lemon Curd come from? How did you select that title? So I always look for unique names for my title. And at the time when I wrote my book, there were no books with that title in it. Once I wrote my book, then all these people came and decided to add that name to their book, (laughs) which is fine, you know. So I like unique names. That was one of the reasons I picked it. And two, part of the story takes place in England, and lemon curd is really big there. So, you know, you go there and you get your scone and you get your lemon curd. And so because I had that British element in my story, um, I thought that would work perfectly well. That's why I picked it out. Now, sometimes it doesn't work that way. So for my third book, that was really hard to pick a title for that because I wanted to pick like a the Japanese word for an outsider is Gaijan. And at the time when I wrote that book, there weren't that many books with that name. But then by the time it was done, there were all these books with that name. And then, you know, there's like a film called The Outsider. So sometimes it doesn't work to your advantage. Sometimes you're stuck. And But I was lucky with this one. Yeah, it's a great name. I love it. It definitely got my attention. Thank you. Well, Homa, is there anything Um, else you wanted to share with us today? That's about it. Just writing is hard work. It really is. So I guess one of the things I would say is if there are any reviewers listening, be a little bit kinder to us poor writers because we work our behind off <laughs> and, you know, find something nice to say about us because we really do appreciate it. So, Absolutely. That's well said. Well, Homa, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me again. I love catching up with you and it was great to talk about your new book. Likewise, thank you for having me, and it's been a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for joining me today for my interview with Homa Porisgari, author of Lemon Curd. You can learn more about Homa and her book at lemoncurdbook.com. And be sure and check out our other interviews at insidescooplive.com.